So for years now, my wife and I have been into skiing. So both of us sort of grew up skiing. Uh, I'm sure a number of you uh, ski or like to ski. And in fact, uh, going skiing together was one of the ways Cleans and I connected when we were young adults and went on a trip. And I thought, if someone can ski and we can keep up to each other, that might be a big check mark on my list if I would to choose someone to marry. So sure enough, it worked out. And she was, I think, thinking the same thing. And so... One of the things, besides regular skiing, that I decided to take up uh, two years ago was backcountry skiing. So with uh, skis like this, you can put some skins on the bottom and you can actually walk up the hill. And you can have, on an ideal day, you can have unlimited, untracked snow, deep, uh, powdery, that's at least the dream. But to do backcountry skiing well, as I'm finding out, it's, it's not a good idea to just sort of go up there alone and try your luck. So I've, uh, I've met a, a new friend, his name's Tobias, and he's, a, he's an experienced backcountry skier. And so going with him as my guide has been a game changer to my entry into this new type of skiing. So when I've gone with Tobias, I find that he is patient. He's always sort of making sure the group is with him and that, you know, because when you're walking up the mountain, it's actually a little bit exhausting. So uh, he's quite fit. He, goes, he can go quite fast, so he waits up. He's quite knowledgeable. He knows the terrain, and he's always gone with me to places he's already been. So I'm just confident I follow him because he knows where he's going, and that's important on a foggy day or a snowy day. All you see is the snow in front of you, but he knows where he's going. I find that he's very friendly. So he's not just head down and serious and focused on himself, but he's, he's engaged with me, and we're chatting, and we chat about life. And uh, lastly, he loves Jesus. So uh, that's just a cool extra piece. So we're, we're out there, we're skiing, and we end up talking about our faith. We talk about Christ. We talk about how we're growing. And when I ski with Tobias, or even just talk about skiing with him, I'm inspired to do it more. I'm inspired to go again and again and to get the right gear, to develop it as a hobby. And when I go with him, I feel like I can be a backcountry skier. So in this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, the topic today, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as a guide. Um, and one of the, it's one of the very practical things the Spirit wants to do is be in our life, like my friend Tobias, uh, guiding us on the sometimes perilous and always interesting journey of life. Last week, when Pastor Jade introduced the series, he said something I thought of reminding us again this morning. He was saying, when we think about God, we're quite comfortable thinking of God the Father, uh, God the Son, Jesus. These are parts of God that we can imagine from our life. And you know, of course, Jesus came to earth and we read about his real life. But when we come to think of God the Holy Spirit, that's different. That's, uh, that's mystery. That's God's very presence with us, his power with us. That's harder for us, maybe especially as Westerners, to, to grasp and grapple with. But then, I, you know, I, I want us to help uh, contemplate that this morning. And, uh, you know, then I was thinking, you know, if God is who he says he is, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and if God would be available to any human being in the form of his Spirit who would, who would call on his name, trust in him, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, 
Wouldn't that be like going on a ski trip and having an amazing ski guide to help you on your way, to celebrate your success, to remind you of Jesus? This is what we're going to be talking about this morning. So we're going to be looking at a few scriptures from some of Jesus' last words before he went away. It's in chapters 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to experience and learn about how the Holy Spirit can guide us in at least three ways. So the first one comes from John chapter 14. It's uh, from some of, it's one of my favorite passages. I referred to it as well on Easter Sunday. So I'm just going to read it for us. Jesus said this to the disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. So Jesus is going, and then he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I don't know about you. I find that deeply comforting, that God would be with us. He then goes on to say this in verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So after all that Jesus taught for those three years, it's like he's saying, you're going to need more. You're going to need to know more about what I said. There's much more to learn, was what one commentator said, and the Holy Spirit's teaching in our life would be to continue where Jesus left off. And it's not because the Holy Spirit will come and add new things and some surprise twists that we didn't hear about in the Bible or from Jesus. But instead, it's like he's saying the Holy Spirit will want to highlight or amplify what God the Father had already given Jesus to say. So I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're, you're trying to fix something or follow an instruction manual. Has anyone had an experience like that? Maybe after Christmas or after getting a gift. And the manual usually has something written down. It actually has everything written down that you need. But I don't know about you. I have a special dislike of manuals that might be like you. Uh, I kind of like the Ikea manuals. It's all pictures, but even those I can get lost. So where do you turn? Where do I turn when I need more than words? I need, I need pictures. I need description. I turn to YouTube. I don't know about you. You can fix or do anything on YouTube. So when I got into skiing and uh, with Tobias's help, chose this used ski and binding setup, I found that the, the company, the Vancouver-based company that makes these bindings has these amazing videos. Because it turns out that on a binding, there's, there's a number of screws that you could turn, but they all do something different. You, your binding has to keep your ski on at the right time or, or be able to fall off at the right time. And so beyond just the boring you know, stuff about screws, they also include you know, some shots of people skiing and swooshing down the snow. So I've finished the video. I'm like, I know how to fix my binding, and I want to go skiing. So in that case, again, what if the Holy Spirit were like that, taking scripture and these ideas we know, but just filling it with inspiration and making it meaningful to our life? So in the context of the passage we just read, the disciples had their own questions, and they'd, be, they'd been asking Jesus the details, like, where are you going? Why can't we come with you? Just show us God the Father. Like, they, they wanted the details. This was going to be important. That's so why I don't know about you and your faith and your life of faith. 
do you face this? Uh, do you have your real life questions and you're, you, know, you are looking in the Bible, you're just wondering, Lord, how do I know, how do I follow you in my real life scenarios? How, how does the gospel of Jesus answer my real struggles or my questions? So the, the Holy Spirit wants to give us God's truth already revealed, but in impactful, personalized ways that touches our heart in situations. It fits us like a glove. It's like having knowledge that's passed on from one friend to another. It's very meaningful. Max Lucado said it this way in his recent book called Help is Here, all about the Holy Spirit. Max Lucado says this, the Spirit has a specific overarching mission. His task is to teach us about Jesus. We are not left alone with our questions. It is not up to us to solve the riddles of our existence. We have a helper, a divine instructor. I love that. Not left alone in the universe to figure this stuff out. So there we are. We have him as our guide teaching us about Jesus. Let's jump ahead to chapter 16. So the verses in chapter 16 will reflect one of the more challenging features of the Holy Spirit's guidance. That is, that he guides us through difficult terrain in our life. Verse 8 says it this way. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So Jesus seems to want those disciples and us to know that the Holy Spirit will come and, and be a convictor of, of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. So I don't know if you hear that, and even when I read it, it doesn't immediately jump off the page as, ooh, that sounds fun, that, that sounds like great news. But someone reminding you of where you could go wrong, where you could fall into danger, though it's scary, it's actually quite important. Something happened sort of like this on my recent, most uh, latest trip with Tobias. We were skiing in an area behind Squamish. Uh, I think it's sort of a beginner place, but for me it was maybe higher and further than I had gone. It's called Mount Mulligan. And when we had, we'd been skinning up, uh, going for a couple hours, we stopped for lunch, which is, uh, we saw at the opening slide. And so there we were, we're standing at the top, and it's, it's what I'd dreamed and what I'd hoped for. You've got these sort of uh, untracked snow. There was a group behind us, but it was our turn to go first. So we were going to make the first turns on this snow. But at that moment, right at the top, sort of looking down uh, the pitch, Tobias stopped and he took a moment and to, to explain something to me. He started to describe how I would dig him out if he went down and the snow buried him or what he would do if I got buried. So he needed actually to help me contemplate something serious and kind of scary at that moment I was about to do something exciting. And if you've been listening in the media, you've heard that actually it's been a very deadly winter in the back country. So this was important, uh, sobering stuff I needed to know, that backcountry skiing is beautiful, but it's also high consequence. And isn't life like that with Jesus? Life is beautiful, but we need the Spirit's reminders of where life is also dangerous, where it's high consequence, where, where there might be a cliff to fall off, or something that could bury us and overwhelm us. 
The Holy Spirit spoke to me in a way similar to this uh, some years back. I happened to be attending a missions conference with a group I worked for called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So I'd taken a group of students down to the U- uh, United States, and we were in these, these morning Bible studies and these evening sessions, and it was amazing. So that morning, I was in the morning Bible study. We were looking at the book of Ephesians, and we were studying chapter 5. And I was loving how it was going, great teaching, great scripture. And then this scripture came up. I believe there's a slide for that. And it said this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. Awesome, beautiful, I love that. And then these verses came. But among you, There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, nor any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So there I was as as a leader of this group of students, and it's like the Holy Spirit used that moment listening to this scripture to flick a light on, like you're sleeping and suddenly the light gets flicked on, it's a bit jarring, but you're suddenly jolted awake. The Holy Spirit was getting my attention because in that moment, it became painfully clear to me that I had patterns of thinking, talking, joking that were probably, uh, I was vulnerable because of things that happened in my past that had to do with sexual immorality, foolish talk, and people I'd hung around with. And, And that's just normal. Life happens. Trash tends to collect in the corners. So the Holy Spirit was putting his finger on something I needed to pay attention to, a danger that he was warning me about. And the result of that moment wasn't, wasn't just guilt or, or alarm, but in fact, it, it spurred me to motion. It turns out that at that conference, there, was, there were sessions devoted to some of this stuff uh, of sexual healing, of, uh, of stuff in your past. People would help pray for you. So I took the courage. I went there, and I just felt the Lord lift me and change me and cleanse me as he's continued to do. So it was a signal to me of what he did that one time, but what he keeps wanting to do in our lives because he's a good guide. This Holy Spirit wants us to walk in full life. He wants us to to put down things that lead us to death and pick up things that lead us to life. He doesn't want us just to to run our lives and to to live in a way that's burdened and and we're just carrying all this, but like a good guide, like when you're backcountry skiing and there's a danger, he's going to warn us. He's going to warn us where we need to pay attention. A good guide steers us clear of danger. So as you're sitting here listening to me read these verses and talk about these things, I'm wondering, are there ways that maybe you're sensing or you've been sensing the Holy Spirit calling you away from something that's death and towards something that's life? I just really encourage you to accept that. Accept God's call to his light and life. It is scary when when he sort of warns us about something, but it leads to life. I I was scared when I was standing on that mountain contemplating how I'd have to dig downhill and maybe drag him out by the boots. And I'm so glad it didn't happen. But I needed to know, and the Lord needs us to know things that could ruin our lives. 
The third scripture we're going to look at is in John chapter 15. And again, it takes us right back to the middle of this conversation of the Holy Spirit as our guide. And I read verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the context of this third promise we're looking at is surrounded by Jesus' words to those disciples how they will be treated just like he had been treated. And in my NIV Bible, it comes under the, the charming and slightly alarming title, The World Will Hate the Disciples. Again, doesn't sound awesome. And so in that context of living out Jesus' message in a world that will not love it, the Holy Spirit says, or Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will prompt us to testify. He'll guide us of how to be his witnesses. And so when we live as his witnesses, which is a clear call in scripture, he wants to warn us that we'll need help. And so we've seen it a couple times. He uses the word advocate. The Holy Spirit will be our advocate as he helps us be his witnesses. Now, advocate is a strong word. It's, it's a legal word. You may have heard it on a courtroom drama. Some of you might be lawyers. It's like a defending attorney, someone speaking on our behalf, guiding us through a difficult situation. That's the spirit, the advocate. So to talk about this last piece, the spirit helping us in witness as our advocate, I've actually invited uh, someone from our congregation named Sean Liu. So Sean is coming to share some his experiences. Sorry, here's the mic. His experiences on his mission in Asia. Um, Sean and his wife Esther and son Ian work with Wycliffe Bible translators in Asia. And uh, you're working among the East Mountain people. So I've invited Sean to come share about his work and how the Holy Spirit guides him. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. Oh, we have heard how past, uh, we have heard from Pastor Mike of how the Holy Spirit uh, can be our guide. And I found that to be a very common theme in my life as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, how I came to uh, 10th East Fam back in 2014, I felt was also led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I'll leave that story for another day. Uh, uh, as I was introduced, uh, I'm a member of Wycliffe Bible Trans Translators of Canada, and my wife and I are supported missionaries of Tampa Church as well. And I can recall that uh, it was in 2012 that uh, I had this sense of God prodding me towards studying theology. I was working in Ottawa at the time, and uh, while I was waiting for my application, uh, I decided to uh, be a chaperone for a number of students going to this mission conference in Urbana, Illinois. It's called Urbana Mission Conference, a very large uh, mission conference for students that happens once every three years. Uh, at that time, I was already in my mid-20s, contently working in Ottawa, so it came to a big surprise to me that at this conference, uh, I felt very convicted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, speaking directly to me, I felt, uh, are you willing to follow me wherever I lead you? Uh, to which I answered yes. And uh, by the Holy Spirit's leading, I eventually uh, was able to discern that uh, God was inviting me to join his work of uh, testifying his name among marginalized indigenous communities through the ministry of Bible translation. And so uh, just a brief introduction of Bible translation. Uh, basically, there are 
over 7,000 language communities in the world, of which only a tenth have the complete Bible in their own language, and around half have portions of the Bible, maybe just a New Testament or maybe just a book of Luke or John or something like that. And that these thousands of other language and language communities that don't have a single word of the Bible in their own language. And why is this important? Well, uh, one part is, of course, the scripture affirms this. So let's say Revelation 7-9, where there's this vision of all the nations, the tribes and peoples and language groups coming to uh, worship uh, the Lamb, which is referring to Jesus, of course. And uh, there's also an interesting analogy uh, that's shared by an indigenous pastor in Indonesia who said that when a person hears uh, God's word, so the Bible, in a language that they're less familiar with, uh, it's like uh, someone throwing a leaf to a pond. It takes quite a while for it to sink in. Uh, while if someone hears uh, God's word in their language they know best, uh, often the mother tongue, it's like throwing a rock uh, into the pond where it sinks very quickly and deeply into a person's heart. And so, yeah, for... It also happens to be that uh, uh, language communities that uh, don't have a Bible in their own language tend to be the most uh, overlooked indigenous communities who lack services and resources as well because they don't function effectively in national or official languages. And so Bible translations often accompany with uh, community development and literacy programs as well. And so, uh, yeah. Um, for the people group that my wife and I work with, they're called the East Mountain People. Uh, as far as we know, uh, the gospel didn't reach them until 2008. So there was no Christians at all until the year 2008. And the uh, Bible translation team that I've been part of, they were established in 2009. And initially, they had to spend a lot of time building uh, good relationships. And by the Holy Spirit's prompting, they were able to sense that, okay, well, for the gospel to take root among these people, it needs to be a... Um, role that the indigenous people in, who live in these mountains understand, which at the time was establishing a business. And through the relationships built through that business, uh, many people uh, came to know the faith, uh, came to know Jesus, and also, of course, our team learned their language and were able to translate the Bible in their language, which is an ongoing work. So as of today, there's around uh, 20 uh, Christians, 20 to 25 Christians who gather from six different uh, villages and they're able to worship in their own language uh, using uh, the four Gospels and the Book of Acts uh, for their preaching, for their Bible studies. And uh, yeah, we've heard from this indigenous community, the East Mountain people, of how the Holy Spirit often gives them courage and wisdom of because uh, there are different times in which they're often misunderstood as a small minority within their villages by their neighbors who would say that, oh, uh, these disasters happened because he believed in Jesus. Or there'll be hostilities from the authorities um, as well. And so they often they felt uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, testify his name. And I'll just end with uh, one little story of how the Holy Spirit can uh, bring people together uh, to join God's work. So uh, yeah, this is from the testimony of an indigenous Bible translator from a different community that I worked uh, with briefly in 2015. So her name is Sue. Uh, she comes to this village where she's the first to go to college. 
And while in college, she decided to be an English major. And through that, she was able to meet an English teacher who shared the gospel with her. And she became a believer. And uh, she was very excited to join the local church there, which uses the national language. And uh, of course, when she went back to her village, she wanted to share about Jesus to uh, her family and friends. Uh, but unfortunately, she hit a barrier, which is that she's not able to express the gospel uh, in her village language, even though that's her mother tongue that she grew up with. And she can explain the gospel very fluently in English or in the national language. Uh, but when it comes to her village language, it's like, okay, I have no idea how to explain a term like salvation or grace or baptism or even what's the right word for God even since their language doesn't have a single word for God. And so she was quite uh, in despair. But uh, while she was taking a bus back to the city, uh, she heard the Holy Spirit telling her in her own language, uh, and for her, it was a shock because it's the very first time she felt God speaking to her in her own language, saying, do not be afraid. I'll lead you to meet someone, and together you will be able to bring God's word to your people. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was very excited about this, and she waited. Eventually, she met an American missionary who was a linguist translator, someone who wants to study indigenous languages and was precisely looking to partner with someone from Sue's people group, from her community. And so, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit basically brought the two of them together, and they were able to work together to uh, translate the Bible, which is still ongoing today. And uh, because of the translation of these keywords, uh, eventually uh, Sue was able to share the gospel to uh, her family and friends, and all her family members became Christians because they were finally able to understand uh, the gospel in a language that they know best. Yeah. Well, that's all. Thank you for letting me share. you shared, and I'd like to, if I, we can pray for you. Uh, so if you'd like to extend a hand, and I'm just going to pray for Sean and for Sue and the, this whole project. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that this story has just demonstrated to us what you do. Lord, I thank you that you called Sean and it, to, to become a linguist translator, to go get involved with the faraway people that didn't know you, to speak into the heart and mind of this young lady named Sue, to match her up with a missionary. Lord, I just pray uh, peace and blessings on all of them and Sean and Esther as they are your witnesses doing what only you can do and yet they have a part. Would you empower them, guide them and give them courage? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. So great. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you go out from here this week wanting to know how is the Holy Spirit, could he guide me? Uh, he's going he's gonna to want to teach you about Jesus, some of the stuff you already know. He's going to want to guide you away from dangers and towards life. And he'll even help you in all of your situations, as difficult as it is, to be his witness he will give you words. It'll be words that are already there and, and he's going to empower you. So after this, I just feel more empowered. I want to live this way. I want to invite you to live this way. So as we end, I just want to pray again 
and uh, invite the Spirit, pray for all of us to, to open ourselves to this kind of living with the Holy Spirit as our guide. So if you would, would you uh, put your hands out and uh, I'll just lead us in a short prayer time. Holy God, here we are, heads bowed again, hands outstretched. I thank you for these reminders we've heard in scripture this morning. I thank you for this truth that's mysterious and yet it comes to be real in our lives. So I just pray for each one here that in each of our hearts, our hearts would yearn to say, come Holy Spirit. So would you come even now as we, as we take communion, as we worship, come again even more. Would you amplify what we already know but need to know more deeply, how our lives can line up with your life and how your kingdom life is bursting forth in this world that many ways doesn't want to know you, doesn't know you, but is waiting to know you. Help us to be your faithful witnesses. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.